Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Maddie Gladden Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-aged bourbon is double pot distilled and non-chill filtered and has a full-bodied mouthfeel with eucalyptus, molasses, clove, ginger, and slight citrus as well as grains of paradise. The finish is long and reappearing on the back of the tongue with notes of pepper, tobacco leaf, and mint cream. All of our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick, respect the grain, please enjoy responsibly, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Again for another exciting podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. I am Tiny, your host for tonight. I'm excited, super excited. Tonight we uh, have a special Tiny Talk. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Jack Daniels and whether or not Jack Daniels is bourbon or what is Jack Daniels. And this is a controversial subject. So that's what we'll be talking about tonight on this podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. You heard the initial uh, Alan Bishop promotion for Maddie Gladden, Delicious Bourbon. Uh, the Spirit of French Lick is a sponsor of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. The Spirit of French Lick, established in 2016 as an outgrowth of the French Lick winery, Spirits of French Lick focuses on the four pillars of distilling, bourbon, brandy, botanical spirits, and American whiskey. Relying on time-tested practices and new innovations is the, in the distilling program, we craft a spirit that has defined character equally driven by grain barrel yeast experience following our model, Respect the Grain. And Alan definitely respects the grain. There's no doubt. It's great to have the Spirit of French Lick as our sponsor. Uh, it's great. We've been down there for a couple podcasts. And we really enjoy doing the podcast from the Spirit of French Lick. And then also, from time to time, we've had Alan on the podcast. So, this is episode number 99. Leading up to... We are going to be leading up to episode 100. I don't know what is going to be planned for 100, but I'm going to try and make it a little bit special. That's for sure. Now, we are the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. You can find us on the web at www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Check out the website. It has a bunch of stuff on it. Our bios, all the, the Scotchy Bourbon Boy members, 
Uh, you can find uh, the podcast from the website. Just click the link. And then also uh, we do every second and fourth Friday of the month, we do Whiskey Live, a Facebook Live tasting of a bourbon, usually a bourbon that's affordable and something you can get off the shelf regularly. So uh, this week, this Friday, again, it's it's Monday night, but this Friday we will be having that next whiskey live tasting. So look forward to that 9 p.m. on Facebook every second and fourth Friday. Also, when you're there, check out the Patreon site. You can click the Patreon link. Uh, support us, please. We Really love any help that we can get doing this. This is a very uh, fun thing, but there's a lot of expenses expenses involved. And the more that we get supported, the more we find that we can do more, get on more trips, uh, give away more bottle giveaways. Actually, we've got a couple bottle giveaways uh, contests coming up. I should have Super Nash. I'm sure he's going to be a part of that 100th. Uh, podcast celebration. I can't believe that we're at 100 and uh, those giveaways. And then also on the Patreon that you can get a lot of different swag, including uh, supporting us, get you one of these glasses. You can get t-shirts like what I'm wearing. And then also we have special either live tastings. If you're in the Ohio area, uh, we will do a live uh, bourbon steward flight for you or if you're not we send the samples to you that we're going to be tasting from and you pick the uh scotchy bourbon boy uh of your choice to lead a tasting of up to four bourbons and it's on zoom so that's a really cool thing but also uh remember if you're listening to us on your podcast podcast format please subscribe that's very important and then also please leave feedback if you like what you're hearing let us know the feedback really helps uh grow the podcast so uh just make sure that you'll you know do a shout out and tell us what you think of the podcast so that brings me to this week uh we are going to be reviewing the uh, a Jack Daniels. Uh, I believe I've got the single barrel special release here that I was able to obtain through Justin Pagnard when he became a Scotchy Bourbon Boy. And then also I've got the cask strength single barrel uh, that I will be tasting uh, after we get through with the tiny talk. Now, Jack Daniels is kind of a special whiskey for me because growing up, before I ever got into whiskey or tasting whiskey, when I was younger, my father, his favorite whiskey was Jack Daniels. So there was always Jack Daniels around the house. I grew up in the 80s, so a lot of the times in the 80s, <laughs> uh, if you could get your father's whiskey, you were getting your father's whiskey. But uh, he loved Jack Daniels, and that was his whiskey of choice. So uh, once I became 18 years old, because back then it was eight, the drinking age was 18, I was uh, indoctrinated into the family and uh, was drinking. We drank, uh, I 
drank a lot of shots of Jack Daniels or some Jack Daniels on the rocks. But overall, when I was drinking Jack Daniels, and then also eventually my father-in-law used to bring Jack Daniels in his flask when we went fishing, and he called it the toothache medicine. But that was just to keep us warm when we were out on the boat on a cold fall day or an early morning uh, chill uh, that would always warm you up. But uh, Jack Daniels pretty much was what was part of uh, my culture or my, you know, my family uh, when I was, uh, when uh, my, my stag party, uh, my father and all his friends were there. And I think I ended up doing at least 12 shots of Jack Daniels that night um, with different people who were just buying me Jack Daniels. That was like what my father, you know, when I was getting when I was getting married, that's what my dad uh, was drinking, and that's what kind of I was drinking at the time. Now, as I became more uh, involved, uh, you know, as I matured, uh, I still uh, I, I don't know if I liked Jack Daniels back then. It was whiskey, and the way you drank whiskey when you were younger, and I think they still do it to some extent today when you're. At, is you're trying to get it from the glass to your stomach uh, with skipping everything in between, if you can, the fastest through your mouth, because, um, you know, that's just what you were doing. You were drinking it to get fucked up. You weren't drinking it because it just tasted so great. And uh, my father-in-law, uh, yesterday was Father's Day, so it was a sp- a special day. I called my dad and everything, and we talked a little bit. I'm going to be seeing him in July, so I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, we talked about I, I was gonna I'm going to bring up a couple of uh, bourbons and uh, this Jack Daniel's single barrel barrel proof. And uh, when we get together, we'll probably uh, pour have a pour or two. But uh, we were talking, you know, just about old times a little bit, but. Uh, one of the things that my father-in-law did for me, uh, he basically taught me how to sip the whiskey out of the glass. He said, you got to sip it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he taught me that if you sip it, it pretty much mellows out the experience. You don't get that hard, harsh whiskey taste that I always had and, you know, the punch and Whatever, And so that allowed me to start to um, enjoy whiskey a little bit more, but I was still not looking for the taste. I was just looking more for this. It made it it made the whiskey smoother by sipping it that way. So uh, I went along doing this type of thing. Now, I did start buying in the early 90s. They were coming out with uh, Jack Daniels single barrel. Now, the Jack Daniels single barrel, when that came out, and I do believe I actually have the introduction of Jack Daniels uh, single barrel here. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. Uh, I think it was. uh, Yes, 1997. The very first bottles of single barrel select are drawn from our finest barrels, hand selected by Jimmy himself. 
So I was drinking that. I remember uh, at I was at Sam's Club and they had the single barrel. I didn't even understand what it was at the time. I didn't understand what a single barrel was. I did when you were talking about uh, scotches back then. You're you know you weren't talking about one barrel. You were if it was a you were talking about it was made at one distillery kind of thing. You know single malt. I was refer I was kind of confused back then. I just didn't understand uh, what what actually I was drinking. But it was something that I was always. Uh, trying to get because it was a little bit more expensive than Jack Daniels. Now, back then in, in Jack Daniels and Jim Beam and everything, they were $18.99, $19.99 a bottle, like uh, pretty much it's close to what it is now for a uh, 750 milliliter, uh, you know, and it it was considered a higher end, high shelf bourbon. It, there wasn't all the other now scotches you could at that time yes you could spend but when it was coming to bourbon uh Jack Daniels Jim Beam those were not considered cheap bourbons that meant you were drinking the brand and uh there you know and so that single malt count I mean the single barrel comes out and I was buying I bought a couple of those and I would save it for special occasions so but I just once once again, it's back then. I I didn't really get into anything or understand it. It's like when I would walk into a liquor store and look at all the different bourbons and all the different uh, choices you had for whiskey. It was pretty much just the name brand stuff. Uh, that's what was there for me, and everything else was kind of like uh, it just was a blank for me. I would look at it and not understand anything that I was looking at. So. Jack Daniels kind of had a place in my heart. I, I didn't. What I can't say that when I look think back that I I liked it. <laughs> it's just like I wasn't. So that brings me to you know what's going you know now uh, what Jack Daniels is doing, and this is one of the things that when you get on. If you get on any of the whiskey groups on Facebook or you're talking in a discussion, the discussion always comes up with Jack Jack Daniels. Is it bourbon or isn't it? And there's no right answer to this because there's a couple things. Uh, It's just the product meets the regulatory criteria for classification as a straight bourbon through but but Jack Daniels or Brown Foreman disavows this classification it markets the liquor simply as Tennessee whiskey rather than a Tennessee bourbon as defined in the North American Free Trade Agreement Tennessee whiskey is classified as a straight bourbon Authorized to be produced in the state of Tennessee. Tennessee law 572106 further requires most producers of Tennessee whiskey to filter the spirit through charcoal made from maple prior to aging. In addition to meeting the above requirements, which is the Lincoln processed, uh, it's just those are the Lincoln process is what defines uh jack daniels as a tennessee whiskey and it's what they want to be they want to be a tennessee whiskey they don't want to be a bourbon the marketing of themselves as a bourbon 
would not be beneficial for them because of the fact that they would then be competing with Kentucky bourbon or American bourbons. And right now they have their own category and they don't compete. Now, Jack Daniels is the number one United States selling whiskey in the world. So they own that. I believe they're number three on the list of the number three selling whiskey in the world, including all Scotch, Irish whiskeys and whatnot. So Jack Daniels has a market share uh, that there's no doubt that as a Tennessee whiskey, uh, it helps them, uh, you know, obtain that market share. They're not competing against the bourbon. When you go there, you're going to buy Jack Daniels. Now, Jack Daniels uh, in 1956 was bought by Brown Foreman. Brown Foreman, Brown and Foreman, they make Old Forester. So they already make their bourbon. Then Brown and Foreman also makes Woodford Reserve. So they've got all the aspects covered and they don't want to mix it all up. So uh, when it comes to Jack Daniels, they are Tennessee whiskey. They do not associate themselves as bourbon. But when it comes to all the regulatory criteria, they are a straight bourbon. But here's the thing. So in the 40s, the Tobacco and Firearms Committee, uh, Jack Daniels asked them if they could be classified as a bourbon. They analyzed the, the Jack Daniels and they looked at it and they said no. That they are their own category. They are a Tennessee whiskey, and they did not qualify as bourbon. But then in 1964, Congress got together to define what bourbon was and made a resolution. And in this resolution, uh, with all the different things for bourbon, they came up with what bourbon was, and they said that uh, it's... It is produced in the United States. It's made from at least 51% corn. It is distilled at 160 or below. It is put into the barrel at 125 or below. And then it's put into a new charred oak barrel. Now, the difference is this process, the Lincoln process. It is filtered through maple wood charcoal before barreling. Now, that is the Tennessee whiskey different differentiate you know difference it's like the fact that they take maple maple charcoal and slowly drip the bourbon in before it goes in the barrel now that lincoln process uh is a subtractive process it's not an additive process so congress dis deemed it Bourbon, so they put it in so that if Jack Daniels ever wanted to call themselves bourbon, they could because they qualified because that process was not adding any flavor. It was actually taking out impurities. So the fact that they were filtering it in did not disqualify them as bourbon. And this was in the 1964 resolution. Now, since 1964, Jack Daniels doesn't want... Any part of it. So when you have an argument uh, about bourbon and is Jack Daniels bourbon, uh, it's hard to win it either way. 
because somebody who likes Jack Daniels and they want it to be Tennessee whiskey basically says that that filtering process and Jack Daniels claims that they're not bourbon. They don't want to be bourbon, so they're not bourbon. But then when you actually go through the regulatory criteria, it qualifies as bourbon. So when you're having this argument, uh, you can... <laughs> I think if you had to do it legally and you were having it in court, Jack Daniels would qualify as bourbon. But anywhere else besides court, Jack Daniels would be considered Tennessee whiskey and it's not bourbon. And that's kind of how the argument goes. Now, the state of Tennessee did a House bill, 1084, passed in 2013. 2013 states that in order to be recognized as Tennessee whiskey, it, you had to have the Lincoln uh, process, and it has to be made and produced in Tennessee. So Jack Daniels is made and produced in Tennessee and has the Lincoln process, so it is deemed by the state law to be Tennessee whiskey. So they did that so they could even di differentiate, you know, make themselves different in an, in another way by, by law in Tennessee that they are a Tennessee whiskey. <laughs> so there you go. So, folks, it's just uh, Tennessee knew the argument was always leaning one way. It, it, whatever way you wanted to argue it, you could win it. But when they did that and passed it in by and made it state law that if you use the linking process and you made the bourbon aspect in Tennessee and followed all the bourbon rules, that in fact it wasn't bourbon, it was Tennessee whiskey. So like if you're talking about Kentucky bourbon, uh, they, they make it, they don't do the filtering process, but it's made and it's aged at least one year in the state of Kentucky. When they do that, that's Kentucky bourbon. And that's that that's how you become a Kentucky bourbon. You cannot be a Kentucky bourbon if you don't follow those criteria. That criteria, and you're so if you're in Colorado, it can, you can't make a Kentucky bourbon. That's what what we're saying, and that's kind of how the laws were. But you can make American bourbon anywhere in the United States. But in the 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 uh, resolution in 1964, it had to be made in the United States. One of the greatest things they ever did because. All these companies like uh, for, have been bought up by Sazerac. They've been bought up by uh, Diageo. They've been, you know, all these larger companies, uh, Beam some Tory. Uh, they're all companies from outside the United States coming in and buying these distilleries and giving them some power and to be able to produce this, their their quality. Uh, you know, bourbon and whiskey, but what happens is they can't move them. For one, like, for instance, Jim Beam, Beam Sumptori owns them, but they can't move them out of Kentucky because then it wouldn't be Kentucky bourbon. And they can't move them out of the United States because it'll then be corn whiskey. You can't, it can't be bourbon. So overall, it was one of the single greatest things, I think, that resolution in 1964 about what bourbon was really kind of changed things because I guarantee you if they didn't do that and bourbon could be made anywhere in the world, it wouldn't be being made as much in Kentucky anymore. It would be being made in China and it would suck. 
<laughs> it's just that simple. It's kind of like I live in Canton, Ohio, and if if uh, Congress in 1964 would have made a resolution that uh, all Hoover vacuums to be a Hoover vacuum had to be made in Canton, Ohio. There was no other way. The, the, to make a, a Hoover vacuum and call it a Hoover vacuum, you had to make it in Canton, Ohio. It would save the Hoover vacuum company. Now that now they basically don't have anything to do with Canton, Ohio. It was here all the way till 2000, I believe, when I was here in 2004, 2005. And then it was all dismantled and moved all around the world, China, you know, in other places. And now when you get the Hoover vacuum is still uh, has the Hoover uh, name, but it isn't a, it isn't the same thing as it was before because there's just not that pride and quality. It's kind of just like they've got the name and the same thing could have happened to bourbon or even Jack Daniels or what whatnot when these companies bought them. But because of that resolution, it had to be made in the United States. That was really a very, very smart and important bill. So that gets me to right now. Now, we're at current time. And I'll go back to, let's go back to the current time. Uh I was trying to, I mean, you know, Jack Daniels has been around, I believe I want to say since 1857. Is that what it is? Uh, 1875. So it's been around a while. And, uh, you know, it, it's gone through a lot of different changes, but, uh, it really started once, uh, there was one other story. It was a great story. It was Jackie Gleason and Frank Sinatra. That was the one. So I believe in 1947, in a New York City bar, Jackie Gleason introduces Frank Sinatra to Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. It's the start of a friendship that will endure the ages, but it also basically became the number one uh, selling whiskey for the Rat Pack because all of them were always drinking Jack Daniels. That was what is in Dean Martin's glass. That was what was in Sammy Davis Jr.'s glass. That was what's in Frank Sinatra's glass. It would just basically became a certain, had a certain chic coolness to it. So, uh, you know, that's one thing that growing up uh, drinking Jack Daniels, not quite understanding everything, uh, <laughs> it was definitely an aspect. If you were drinking JD or you were drinking Jack Daniels, it was there was an aspect of chic to it that you were doing what was popular to be done. Now. Now that I've uh, started taking and drinking uh, bourbon, and I've been doing this now, uh, tasting, it's believe for about two years now. I'm not. I'm, I'm fairly new as far as tasting on a consistent basis and and podcasting about it. Uh, our podcast, I believe, in November will be two years, and I we started tasting a little bit earlier than that. 
And I have been tasting for over a year, almost every single day, which is fun. Uh, you kind of get to learn how to do this a little bit more professionally than when you first start, but you are, your palate goes through a lot of different changes. And one of the things, I believe two meetings ago, we had the, the Jack Daniels meeting last year, I think in the fall, and we tasted uh, general, the general Jack Daniels, number seven. Uh, we tasted a single barrel, which I have here. It's a special release. Uh, and it's the heritage barrel. And then I tasted the Jack Daniel single barrel proof. And I'm not even going to mention the gentleman Jack because I'm just not. A, that's one thing that it, it, because this is Tennessee whiskey, I could say it's a whiskey I don't like. Gentleman Jack was kind of horrible. But uh, old uh, Jack Daniels, which tonight I'm just going to sip and just kind of let you know what I think of it. And kind of let's go over it. I'm just putting a little bit in my glass here. And it kind of... When you're talking about, it, is it a bourbon? This is, this is what I wanted to do. In the glass, it's definitely a light color. Let's see. I would say it's more of... This is a honey gold between honey and gold, so it's not. It doesn't have a rich dark dark color. Uh, when you in the Glencairn, I'm tasting this in a Scotchy Bourbon Boys Glencairn, and Martin Duffy is the North American uh, glass representative for the Glencairn Crystal Company, and he is the one that gets these logos put on our glass, helps us out with that. And he's also, as a Scotchy Bourbon Boy, been very helpful for helping us uh, go through this podcasting adventure, helping us connect us with the people that we've had on, some people we've had on the past, and some people, hopefully, that we're going to have coming up. So, here we go. There's nothing... I get a little bit of vanilla. There's a lot of ethanol. And on a nose, there's a little banana. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of Old Forester. It's got the same kind of rooty, root beer kind of nose. Similar. Now, tasting that, it's harsh for me. I mean, it's only... 80 proof. In 1987, they took it from a 90 proof to down to 80 proof because in the 80s, uh, colored spirits were getting killed by vodka and they were getting killed by tequila and all the mixed drinks and everything. So they wanted to become similar to what everybody else was, not not so strong. They didn't want to. So they took the proof down to 80 proof. And, uh, I don't know. I would probably like it at a little bit higher proof. But in this one, I just, with Jack Daniels now, after tasting so many different bourbons, the actual old number seven, I would, if you ask me, I would pick Jim Beam over Jack Daniels. But that's just me. Everybody's taste palettes are different. It's got to, but still, you know, it's it, it just, I remember doing this and getting that taste 
that I just had in my mouth when I was 18, 17, <laughs> and trying to avoid it. <laughs> that, that, but that I would say that I'm not going to say that Jack Daniels is bad. Um, it's, it's not as, uh, it's a little bit one dimension dimensional, but that one dimension has such a history. So now I have this special heritage barrel, single barrel, special release. And this is where I can start to, uh, relate to what Jack Daniels is doing and they're doing it well. Now this one, the single barrel special release, uh, was like I said, was picked up by one of the members who became a Scotchy Bourbon Boy at the meeting. Hopefully, Justin, you can get back to another meeting coming up. And uh, let's see, Justin Pernard. See, much sweeter, more depth, a little floral. So, I would say that on this one, on this single barrel, it reminds me of the Colorado, um, the Old Elks and the Brecken, Breckenridge, Breckenridge uh, uh, bottles that I have. Um, it's got a certain kind of, almost like an almond, uh, what would you say? It's got an actually a vanilla almond kind of taste to it. And it just reminds me of the Colorado dis distilleries and what they put out. Now, that was the single barrel special reserve. Now, this single barrel, uh, and I'm going to barrel bash this. And I, I'm going to go off of memory, but this is 129.2 proof. 128.2 proof. So this uh, Jack Daniels uh, is is readily available. You can see this a lot now. Uh, it's just the it's the single barrel barrel proof. So it's just one barrel put out from grain to barrel and straight to the bottle. Our barrel proof Jack Daniels single barrel is made for those who appreciate a pure taste experience. Now, Jack Daniels at 129 proof straight from the barrel opposed to 80 proof. There's a big difference. Much. Um, it just reminds me a little bit of old Forrester. That's for sure. I wonder why, but Hey, <laughs> it's got a nose. It just the nose. I'm not talking about the taste. The taste is different than old Forrester. There's no doubt, but the nose, it just, for some reason, Now, that barrel proof is a step above both both what I just tasted. The sweetness, the maple aspect of it, the honey. There's maple, honey. And I want to say there's... Now, a lot of times there's those stone fruits, and that is one thing that's uh, missing from this. And there's a char on this one a little bit on this uh, barrel proof. Which I enjoy this Jack Daniel single barrel, barrel proof. 
There's no doubt. All right, I'm going to barrel bash that. So, this barrel proof. I'm writing my notes. It definitely is the nose is the weak point. I would say that's a average bourbon nose. So it smells like bourbon to me in this, in this form. It doesn't smell any, it doesn't smell different than any other bourbon. And, uh, it's very, um, you could pick out the, a little bit of caramel, a little bit of maple syrup. There's a little bubble gum. I'm getting a little. That's just I love at drinking sing or uh, nosing single barrels. Yeah, I'm getting a little bazooka bubble gum, which is crazy. So I'm gonna give that nose a two, two for the nose. Then taste. Yeah, again, you know, and it's funny. I get bazooka bubblegum on this taste. And it gets a little, there's a little bit of oak in there. Now this in my glass compared to um, the color, I'm going to have a little bit more because I like this. <laughs> yeah, barrel bash what you like, right? Now this color has gone between an amber and a, it could, it's definitely a caramel. So it's really picked up some some color. It's it's not yellow anymore. It's more of a reddish brown. Uh, definitely a difference between the regular Jim Jack Daniels and this Jack Daniels. All right. So in my glass, the barrel proof clings and goes slowly with pretty large legs. That's that's they're not thin. And they go pretty slow. The sweetness of this, and at this proof, I have to give the taste a four. Now, I'm trying to see what the finish is doing. It's, it's tough on the finish. But I'm going to say the body is a... Let me see. No, that bubblegum, that is straight across the whole mouth. It's a four. Now, let's see what the finish is. The finish has a little bit of, it, it has still the same kind of Colorado kind of finish. It's long. It's definitely got a lot of oak in this one, and I am enjoying it. Let's see. On this single barrel, did they give you any uh, L27? I wish that if they're giving you a single barrel, it was bottled 8 2020. Yeah, 
Okay, it says when it was, you know, it doesn't give you the age, and you that you would like to know what the age on a single barrel, but uh, we'll go with that. Now, that was pretty good. So on the finish, the finish is medium, definitely medium, and I would have to say it's a three. So... 13 out of 16 for barrel proof single barrel Jack Daniels. And uh, like I said, that's a pretty good, uh, the barrel proof is uh, has a really nice, sweet taste. It kind of, t- uh, it's Jack Daniels with an added, uh, just an added extra thing. So, uh, that pretty much sums it up. So we were talking about initially is Jack Daniels bourbon. Uh, once again, uh, if you were going to take it to the court of law, you would win that it is bourbon because 100% uh, it's been uh, classified as a straight bourbon. But once again, Jack Daniels, it does not want to be considered bourbon. They're Tennessee whiskey. Their Lincoln process by law in Tennessee makes them Tennessee whiskey. So there's a lot of different things. That argument's going to go on forever on Facebook and Instagram. When you see that question, there are people who are just like, damn, it's just it is. It's it's bourbon. And then other people are like, no, it's Tennessee whiskey. But it's whatever you want it to be. But it really comes down to if you're going to taste it like I just did tonight, you are definitely tasting a whiskey that is right in there with all the other bourbons as far as its taste profile. It doesn't separate. It's kind of a cross between Kentucky bourbon and Colorado bourbon, and which then makes its Tennessee whiskey uh, right where it wants to be because it's in that class. But there's no doubt its popularity. It's name recognition. It's history uh, of why it's the number one selling American whiskey in the world. It's just it's just the reason why it's just been there. I mean, uh, Jim Beam's right behind it, but it's not uh, as far as volume goes. uh, Jack Daniels and Brown Foreman are producing an awful lot of Jack Daniels, so. With that said, uh, remember, we are the Scotchy Bourbon Boys, www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Please check us out there. Remember, uh, feedback and subscribing on the podcast formats. And then also, please join our Facebook group. Uh, Check us out on Facebook, the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. You can see us on Instagram. Uh, We are on YouTube. We're starting to push that. We just released uh, this podcast from the spirit of french lick with alan bishop that was an awesome one check that out on youtube if you get a chance and then also uh make sure that you help us out on patreon if you can if you have any questions for me we are the scotchy bourbon boys at gmail.com uh look 
I want to look forward to talking to anybody who has a question or anything we can answer on the podcast. And then also, if you on that Facebook group or page, just uh, we're the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Please ask to join. Uh, be a part. We're getting close to our 500th member. And if you are the 500th member, there is going to be something there for you. So check that out also. So once again, I am Tiny. This has been Tiny's Talk and Tasting. And I will see you next podcast. Take us out, James.